Hello, and welcome back to Facts Matter, a production of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan, where we explore important policy issues facing our state. I'm Maureen Saxton. I'm here with Research Council analyst Chelsea Dowler. Um, Chelsea has just published um, a very important paper this week on housing. And I don't know about you, Chelsea, but I feel like not a week goes by that affordable housing is either in the national, state, local, or all three news cycles. And so I think your paper is timely, and I think there's a lot of people who might want to hear about the issues you outlined. It's the four elements of better housing. So let's just jump right in. What are the four elements that we should adopt for better housing? Yes. The four elements that I kind of identified are investing in blighted and vacant homes and infill development, focusing on housing location where residents can have access to public transit, walkable communities, biking, just areas where they can attempt to reduce their transportation costs. Also focusing on housing developments that can facilitate placemaking, which would have good form and prioritize getting people in the streets and activated as citizens rather than focusing on the car in the yard, which is common in today's suburban developments. And then finally, having some sort of state assistance for lower income renters who have traditionally had to rely on federal programs, whether that be low-income housing tax credit developments or the housing choice voucher to get affordable rent. Which of those areas do you see as the most likely area for changes to happen and the least likely? I would assume that maybe it's the financial assistance, but I don't know. I think we're we're already seeing a lot of change, and particularly in Ann Arbor, is this focus on the transit-oriented development and identifying corridors in a region that are great places to add housing density and to try to transition our development pattern away from car-oriented development. So I think that is already happening. There's a transit-oriented development happening near Traverse City, and that is going to have affordable housing and then a new transit bus facility. So we're seeing some of this happening. And So that's really important. And I think just the state making sure it's prioritizing these projects can go a long way. And potentially the least likely, I think really state policymakers are all hands on deck, it seems like, in trying to address housing affordability. So I hold out hope for all elements, but maybe the rent assistance uh, would be one that would be potentially less likely to go forward. Isn't there rental assistance already? Is that federal dollars or federal and state dollars? There are rent assistance programs. One of them is the Housing Choice Voucher Program, and it is federally funded, but it's administered by local public housing authorities and also the Michigan State Housing Development Authority. The problem with only relying on that program is that the need for housing vouchers just greatly outpaces the supply of those vouchers. Mishta has a wait list to apply for their pro- or to receive a voucher that's tens of thousands of people on that list. And so we know that 
housing assistance is greatly needed. And vouchers are one of the most cost-efficient ways to provide affordable housing. It was interesting to hear you just now use as your first two examples, Ann Arbor and Traverse City. And I think that a lot of people like myself, when they think of Michigan's need for affordable housing, we think of not those two cities. (laughs) I guess it totally makes sense because they're very expensive to live in. But on the other hand, you think, well, people who can afford to live there, live there. And the need for affordable housing is elsewhere. But you're saying, no, it's across all socioeconomic levels. Yeah, I would say that's right. The cost of a for sale home is rapidly rising. There's been some slowdown in some of that price growth, but the cost right now is just elevated and pushing home ownership out of reach. And then rental units just have gone with the same price increases too. So yeah, there is a need for affordable housing everywhere in the state. Can you tell us a little bit about your research sites, the statewide housing plan that was developed in 2022? Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you for a moment to distill down a 90 page document in your work. (laughs) You did the reading the rest of us uh, did not do. And can you tell us how the statewide housing plan addresses these four issues that you lay out in your paper? Mm -hmm. The statewide housing plan, and the plan is very uh, clear that it is not the blueprint for increasing supply or increasing affordable housing in the state, but it recommends strategies and has some goals and priorities. And Focusing on vacant and blighted homes is a strategy identified in the plan, as well as rent assistance. Placemaking has been a priority for state governments over the last couple of years with really making our communities places we want to live. And then the other with the housing location, that is also things that are identified in the plan as well. So these are all strategies that are identified and really just hoping to put the pressure on getting those really elevated as things that can make our housing investments go even further. Is the issue of, I I sometimes wonder how intractable the transportation piece is. When we don't, we are such a car-based state and country, really. How do you start? What comes first, the chicken or the, the egg? I mean, Is it making, bringing public transportation or a more walkable city first and the affordable housing follows or how does that work and has it begun? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So it took us decades to get to this car centric development pattern. So trying to undo some of that or getting us back to having more transit options and walkable communities is going to take the same amount of time. It'll take decades. But the first step is recognizing we have a problem and then taking housing developments that we are investing in, making sure they have the elements for the future of promoting walkability, promoting placemaking. And then on top of that, once you start 
investing in those types of developments, hopefully we will be attracting that type of development going forward. And so it starts by changing zoning or by changing um, programs to have that priority. And then hopefully in the decades to come, we will start to change some of the development pattern. But this is not going to be something that can happen overnight. But that's also why it's very important to invest in places where there already is transit lines, where and identifying those places where these investments make the most sense. And when it comes to public transit, that is just a very hard problem to solve that I would leave Eric (laughs) to talk more about, but just reforming regional transit and making sure our communities in a region are truly connected is a good goal. Well, that's a great podcast idea. I think we'll have Eric Dennis, (laughs) one of our research analysts that focuses on transit infrastructure. He's an engineer himself. I think that's a great idea to tie these two together. It's funny as listening to you, I do keep thinking of how many research projects that have come out of the Citizens Research Council recently just cross over each other constantly. And I was just thinking of the population report and well, like you said, placemaking, but how we are an aging state and we've been stagnant and we're on course right now to lose. We're 49th in the country right now and and it's not looking good unless changes are made. And as you were talking about walkability and public transportation, I think you and I and all of us know that's a very attractive impetus for people to move to a city or a town to have their children be able to bike ride or walk to school, to live in a community where they can walk to at least a local grocer or a village park. So I think the housing issue that you dove into definitely touches on the population attractiveness that we as a state need to focus on. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if the state is successful in growing our population, these are also things to keep in mind for making sure that we're able to save our natural resources and protect them is investing in that infill development, investing in vacant homes, and really just reusing things that we've already built is a really great way to make sure that we're growing in a more sustainable way and also focusing on price too. Have you seen a kind of a recognition among state and local policymakers and by local city, county, all about what you just said about recognizing that vacant homes and lots should be utilized, should be kind of top priority to breathe life back into neighborhoods versus the kind of urban farmland sprawl that I feel like has been going on in our state? over the last 50 years? Yeah, there's some recognition, definitely. The State Land Bank has what they like to call their land banking 3.0 with how do you attempting to use the tax increment financing to get funding to get those homes back into good use. And the statewide housing plan also recognizes the potential of those units. But Aside from that and some one-off grant programs for blight remediation, there doesn't seem to be a huge movement towards let's really activate and repair these homes and get them back on the market. So in some ways, I think there's recognition that they have potential, but we don't always follow that up with 
boots on the ground and making sure that we're actually doing that. It seems to be land banks are trying, but there doesn't seem to be a real statewide push as a priority. Yeah, I think it would benefit from a public information campaign. I don't think that it's top of mind, uh, especially people who are looking for starter homes. I, I don't think that those tools out there are top of mind for 20s, 30s, 30 year olds that are just kind of looking to buy their first home. Mm -hmm. What do you see on the horizon for 2024 as improvements in Michigan's affordable housing market markets? I was just reading Mishta has already based on their statewide regional housing partnerships, they've built or approved, I think, 13,000 new housing units, some number like that. That is a great success. And there could be even more units. They weren't part of the housing partnership. So I think we got the momentum. And I think a big priority will be keeping that momentum going forward. And there are things with the land value tax in Detroit and other related to housing um, policies that will, I think, be discussed, but I'm not sure how much more or how many more like large programs that this state will be launching. MDHHS does have their good housing, good health program that there hasn't been a lot of information released yet on that. But so I think there's going to be more of a focus going forward, just kind of improving what we have and making sure that it's working. But there's also the potential that rent assistance could come up. It just kind of depends, I guess, on the legislative priorities. So I was just wondering, do you know if any federal assistance COVID ARPA money was designated for housing assistance? Yes. So a lot of like the missing middle housing production program used COVID funds, a lot of housing trust funds from local governments used COVID funds. So a lot of our housing programs have you new programs that we've started have used COVID recovery money. Our how the state housing and community development fund, though, it does. I believe it starts the last year and the next several years is going to be getting money, state revenue. So even though something started with COVID money, it does seem like we've identified a few revenue sources to continue some housing production programs. Oh, that's fantastic. So so even though it, it wasn't necessarily a one-time use, they're finding some sort of revenue streams to keep some of those helpful programs going. Yeah, or at least housing production programs in general, maybe not the missing middle going forward, but other programs. Is there anything I haven't asked that you wished I would have touched on? Hmm. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for your expertise in this area. It's great to have research council analysts that focus on very precise and very different areas, because it's just great to learn just, you know, nuggets of what you all know. And, and I appreciate the plug for the Detroit Land Value Tax, a podcast (laughs) that was recently recorded just two weeks earlier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. So we'll, we'll touch base again in 2024 and see if there's anything new to report on this. Thank you for your focus on affordable housing. We certainly need that 
that assistance in Michigan. And again, this is Chelsea Dowler, a research analyst with the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. We are online at crcmich.org and on Twitter at crcmich. This has been a Facts Matter podcast presentation of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. The Citizens Research Council of Michigan has been providing lawmakers, academics, and the media, and all Michiganders, really, with factual, unbiased, independent information on significant issues concerning state and local government, organization, and finance for 107 years. Our research is available to you. Go online at crcmich.org and on Twitter at crcmich. Download our research, check out our numerous blogs, and listen to our podcasts. And while you're there, please consider supporting our research with a donation. We rely on charitable donations for our work. This has been a Facts Matter podcast, a presentation of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan.